This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show, where we dive deep into the complexities of modern dating and relationships. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, founder of Single in the City, and joining me today is philanthropist and media personality, Joan Kelly Walker. Hello. Hi, Laura. Hello. Hello. I always love when you're on the show with me. Thank you. I love it. I love it. (laughs) All right. What are some of the things that you need to know if you start dating a divorced man? Well, we have a fantastic guest joining us. Jonathan Asley, one of America's leading midlife dating and relationship coaches, uh, who is going to help us learn more about this today. He's also the author of What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? We'll be covering a range of important topics today from strategies for meeting high quality divorced men to understanding men over 40 and their midlife crisis. We have a great show in store for you guys today. So thank you so much for joining us, Jonathan. How's it going? Uh, Good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm honored. Of course. You know, I've known about you for a long, long time. And then when your friend and my friend Susan Winter suggested that I call you, I was like, I'm up for it. Here he is, guys. (laughs) I love Susan. She's amazing. She's a real special lady. So I'm glad she put us together, Laura. She definitely is. All right, let's get started. Um, there's that familiar old statistic that uh, 50% of marriages will end in divorce, which makes the odds huge uh, that you will encounter a divorced man at least once in your dating life. Now, there are some people that uh, will not go there because they're going to assume that you know the relationship will be filled with drama. Is dating someone who is divorced even a good idea? Uh, And what about the baggage that comes with it? What can we say about this? Well, to the extent of good idea, I mean, roughly about, and this is anecdotal, what I'm about to share is uh, 75% of singles over 45 years old are most likely divorced, just like you said. So, you know, if you shrink your dating pool to the never married or widower category, um, you know, you're eliminating a big percentage of people. So it's certainly it's 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 not so much, you know, a good idea or not. What's most important is to do due diligence, is to get a sense of a number of different things to determine are they really capable of a serious relationship. And and I want to bring up something really quickly. It just dawned on me. I've I've heard women say I will never date a person who's never been married, right? Like mm-hmm. as if getting married is a sign of commitment. And certainly there, you know, it is a sign of commitment. But I will tell you, divorce people are highly um, a lot of them are highly unlikely to get married in the future. So I don't know people should exclude never married, you know, versus been married, because a lot of people who've been married don't want to do it again. That's one possible um reason why you might want to at least do a good uh, a good you might want to do some really good due diligence but how do you do that jonathan you said you know find out figure out if they are capable of a relationship like that's the multi-billion dollar question how do you figure that out great question so first off you have to define the word relationship okay because 
to a woman, it might look like we spend three or four days and nights a week together doing shared activities, hobbies, mutual interests, spending time with family and friends, traveling together, teamwork, building skills, both in our personal and our professional life, intimacy, both physical and emotional intimacy that leads to either moving in together, or getting married. That might be one person's interpretation of a relationship. The other person might be, oh, I just want to see you at my beck and call. In their mind, that's still a relationship, but the context is misaligned. So one of the things a woman might want to do or a man might want to do is to get some clarity for themselves first. What does a relationship look like for you? What does commitment look like for you? And then ask this first, identify it for yourself, and then ask the other person to describe it the same thing without, by the way, you don't want to lead with what you have in mind. You want to hear what they have in mind. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can't help but think, you know, that's a big talk to have, like defining a relationship when you're just dating someone. I remember when I met my husband, I was, I had never been married and he had been married and you know, he didn't want to talk about those relationship defining things because at the time he didn't think he wanted to be married again. And now we've been married for 23 years. But the point is that I just felt like it was putting pressure on him. So we, we, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, there is a school of thought that you should keep things light and fluffy and airy in the beginning and don't have a very serious conversation because that might scare a person away. But here's what I would invite everyone to ask themselves. At what point in the dating process do you want to know that this person is a complete mismatch for you? Do you want to know it before you ever physically meet them? Would you want to know it after you physically meet them? Would you want to know it right after you've had sex together? Would you want to know it right after you fell in love? So when do you want to know that this person is possibly misaligned for you? Right out of the gates. Yeah. Joan, you know, you we, we, <laughs> sorry, I was just going to say, I, you can't scare away the right person. You can't. Right? Well, You're in my book, I have a chapter called um, chapter one is speak your truth, do it with kindness. And chapter nine is if you speak from the heart, you can't say the wrong thing to the right person. So I'm a big believer is before you physically go on a date is you get on the telephone and do a pre-date. In other words, you do some pre-qualifying questions. I want you to think about like the a matchmaker that's doing this for you. If you hired a matchmaker, Wouldn't you want the matchmaker to ask the 30 or 40 most important questions in your life? Wouldn't you want them to do it before they put the two of you together to see if there's alignment? Yeah. Well, you need to do that for yourself. You have to be your own matchmaker. So on the phone, and I'm going to give you an example that doesn't apply to midlife, but I'm going to use this as an, an absolute example is let's say one person wants children and another person absolutely will never have children in life. You'd want to know that before you physically meet them. So having some pre-qualifying questions on the telephone before you meet could at least determine some alignment. Mm -hmm. Now, the first date, given that most people are meeting through an online vehicle, like most, most, I'd say 50, 60% of people that are dating are meeting online. The first date is not a date. The first date is a meet and greet, okay? You're just meeting 
to see if you have physical attraction for one another. And that you can keep kind of casual and light. You don't have to interrogate that person. But the most important question you want to ask yourself is, you know, do I like this person? Am I attracted to this person? Do I think I'd want to see them again? That's what you do during after a meet and greet. And then if you follow up with a date thereafter, after that first date, so now you've te- had a telephone date, you had a meet and greet after the first date, if two people like each other, this is the time to ask the serious questions of alignment. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I do. We just don't want to be drilling anybody, but it's okay to ask questions. Now, um, one of the things I hear a lot and from, from my experience when I was dating online is a lot of these divorced men show signs that suggest that that they may be playing the field. Okay. Um, they're kind of like hot and cold. So why do you think this is, Jonathan? I think this comes back. Great question, by the way. This comes back to know thyself. I, I know after my divorce, and one of the reasons why I particularly speak to this topic is I was a train wreck after my divorce. I knew I wanted companionship. I knew I wanted connection. I knew I wanted sex. Okay. I knew those things, but did I want it full time? Probably not. I just knew I wanted some of it. Okay. I wanted it occasionally, but I had, if I was going to get sex, I had to say the words, I want a relationship. Because most women won't date a man that, you know, he says, oh, I clearly never want to be in a relationship. I never want to get married. I never want this. You probably wouldn't want to date that guy. So we'd have I'd have to use relationship talk. And I'm not saying this to be disingenuine. I believed it, but I, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know myself. I didn't know um, what even a relationship looked like after my divorce, because divorce is the unraveling of the tapestry of an old life and what most humans would be benefit would be benefit them by being introspective after a divorce instead of trying to fill the gap with someone new quickly thereafter yeah and also the fear of of hurting again going to a divorce can be really really tough like you said it was on yourself and and it's can be very tough on men and some guys might be worried about getting hurt again and i feel that a lot of men, they just don't do the work, right? They don't. They don't take the time out to heal themselves. They just, they want a relationship. So they jump right back in, which is not the right thing to do. But we need to take a quick break. Stick around as we delve deeper into dating divorced men when we return. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. AM 640. I'm Laura Bellotta with Joan Kelly Walker this evening. And we're here with Jonathan Asley, continuing our conversation on everything you need to know about dating divorced men. Let's get right back to it. So Jonathan, right before the break, you said that one of your definitions of divorce is the unraveling of a former life. Now, I couldn't help but think of one of my friends who has a, uh, she does a lot of online dating. One of her hard rules is she will never date a man who's just out of a relationship. And before the break, we were talking about, you know, it's if a man finds himself suddenly divorced, he wants sex, he wants, you know, closeness, he wants those things, but he hasn't got it all figured out yet. 
So he's probably or possibly playing the field. How do you tell if a guy is just playing the field or if he's serious? Well, I mean, very few people are Sherlock Holmes and have that capability of deducing things very quickly. I think a couple clues is um, typically somebody who is going through a divorce or literally separated with another person. I would just go ahead and automatically assume that this person needs a couple years of solidarity to re-identify who they are as a person. Okay. Um, now, that's not to say that a lot of men don't immediately, after a divorce, meet another person and get married quickly. This happens. This happens significantly. Problem is those second and third marriages end at a alarming rate of 65 to 75% because they didn't do the work. So most men and women, by the way, the, you know, just, I want to make sure that we shouldn't pigeonhole this as strictly men. Women equally are, you know, falling into these traps as men. I think first and foremost is most everybody's going to need some time to heal. And most likely they're going to have one or two transition relationships. And what I mean to say by transition relationship, because they are dating in an unconscious way that they will meet someone and, you know, for a short lived pair bonding in this experience and find themselves single again, this happens just over and over and over again. So my, to spot that man who's playing the field, it's very difficult unless, like I said, you're a detective, but just recognize that somebody is fresh out of divorce, freshly separated. They just need time to heal. And they most likely, those people will go out and play the field. Just assume that is going to be a significant percentage. Mm -hmm. And also, like if they bring up their past relationship in conversations a lot, that's an indication that they're not ready to move on. Um Sometimes they act really close and then they disappear. They act very distant. Uh, they don't really talk about their feelings. They don't talk about deep, deep stuff. They don't talk about the future, right? So these are all signs too. And use your gut, ladies. <laughs> Our gut never lies. It just doesn't. So, Yeah, you know, the thing is, it saddens me today, but a lack of consistency uh, is certainly a sign of someone who's not serious. I, you know, people that are serious, they usually want to communicate on a regular basis. They want to physically see you on a regular basis. They're making overtures for um, future talking. And I don't mean like in a gaslighting perspective, but I just simply mean they are clear in their own mind that they want a serious relationship versus those that like, oh, I just want to take it slow. I just want to keep things casual. Those are some additional signs that someone probably is not going to, you know, invest a lot in the early stages. So should you ask someone about their previous marriage and, and like what would be appropriate to ask? You know, that's a great question. And I'm a big proponent, given that serial monogamy is the norm these days. And what I mean to say is whether, you know, um, whether it's a marriage or a relationship, people seem to go from one relationship to the next. I think it's critically important to ask about past relationships. Now, here's where it gets tricky, because there's this thing. Some people are reluctant to share about their past relationships. They want to keep it secretive. Well, if they're secretive about it, there's probably something that they're hiding, number one. 
if they don't want to go there because it's painful, that's probably a good sign they haven't healed from a past relationship. And the other thing is, then there's a significant percentage of people that will ramble about their past relationships, typically throwing their previous partner or partners, if they've had multiple relationships, under the bus. Constantly. This is like a (laughs) glaring ding, 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 red flag. Anyone who talks negatively, disparagingly, uh, with with judgment and with uh, anger or resentment or revolt, and under the guise of like, I'm perfect, they were all wrong, that's that's beyond a red flag. Everyone listening to this, that should be your deal breaker because that means they haven't healed from that relationship. Yeah, and a man that has learned from his mistakes uh, and is able to take some accountability for his part in the divorce, I mean, that's what you're pretty much looking for because there's always two sides to a story, right? We only hear the one side, but there's always two sides. So (laughs) yeah, if you ask my ex-wife about you, she'll give you a completely different narrative than I would. But, um, and and to the extent I just want to, because I put that out there, I take full ownership. I, I 50% or plus, or I take a hundred percent of my part of the ending of this relationship. And that's what you're looking for is the person that takes accountability. Hmm. Did you address emotional barriers with him? And and if so, how can you help him overcome them? If you, what do you think? Um, when you mean, about I mean, I'm, emotion- I'm just saying because sometimes we may be get we may get into a relationship with someone and things are are going well, but then you realize, hey, you know what? He he doesn't seem quite ready. Uh, he hasn't fully moved on from his past marriage, right? So, do you address the emotional barriers, like? What do you do in this case? But you really like him. And we know, right? Like we know women. Like when you really like a guy, you're not going to just distance yourself from him in most cases. <laughs> you're going to continue. No, you him. know, we we have sunk costs. The minute we are attracted to someone, we begin to double down when somebody's wrong for us. You know, individual discipline is incredibly difficult. In other words, when when somebody is emotionally closed off, when someone's emotionally walled off, when somebody is emotionally constipated, you have to ask yourself, is this person in alignment to who I am? And if they're not, the bravest thing you can do is to walk away when you've made this investment. It's like, look, I, I, you know, I bought stock in, you know, XYZ company and I just, it's going to tank rather than putting in more money to dollar cost average it down. (laughs) You know, this is where you just sometimes have to walk away from a bad investment. Is there any way that you can help support them through that? Because I think a lot of people would be like, you know, I've been dating, I finally meet a guy or a girl that's really great. How how can I help them get through that? Is there a way to do that? Or like you're saying, no, just walk away, let them sort it out and then circle back. You know, the, the thing is, is you can't be their counselor. You can't be their coach. You can't be their therapist. Sadly, I would say 80% of relationships enter in as unsuspecting therapists. In other words, you're helping this person while they're in this emotional turmoil. And oftentimes when they've healed, they they move on to be a bright, shiny penny to somebody new. Um, and, and usually, you know, I mean, this is, happens over and over and over again. You know, 
It's a self-respect question. This person is wounded and I'm not going to become their therapist. It's not my job to be their teacher, their healer. It's my job to take care of my own lane and it's their job to take care of their lane. Stay with us guys, we need to take another quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show. This is AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta, dating coach. And uh, Joan Kelly Walker's in studio with me. And we're here with dating and relationship expert, Jonathan Asley, continuing our conversation about dating divorce men. Let's get back at it. So, you know, we've been talking a lot about divorced men that may not be quite ready to date. So let's say that someone is ready to date. They might be great to date because they've learned the reality of commitment along, you know, with a lot of other reasons they they might be great to date. So what are the ways that we can tell that a, a divorced person is ready to date and can potentially be that diamond in the rough that we're looking for and make a great partner? Well, that's a great question. I think first off is ideally they've had a couple years of space, depending on how long they were married. I mean, if they were married for a year, they don't necessarily need that much space. But if it was a significant marriage of a decade or longer, I would say a couple years of of, of singlehood before, um, you know, I would choose somebody um, versus someone who's fresh off the boat. Um, the, one of the most important criteria is to identify how serious they are about being in a relationship. In other words, what are their relationship goals? What are their what is their relationship vision? Is it something casual or is it something serious? You know, I, I would say significant percent of relationships today for those over 40 years old, they find themselves in casual relationships. It's not anything building towards some future. So I would want to identify how serious they are about a relationship, how often they want to spend time with each other, how they would how how they make their how they make their decision in choosing a person, you know, and if they say it based on superficial things, that's probably not a good criteria. You know, um, I would want to know what they're how they, you know, operate in their life. You know, what's their lifestyle like, you know, for those of us in midlife. One of the greatest challenges for actually succeeding in relationship is blending two fully formed lives together. So ask those questions about their lifestyle, ask questions about their values. But here's the tricky part, finding out if they're emotionally mature enough to be ready for a relationship. That's why you want to be, like I said, a detective. You want to pay attention. Do they talk negatively about the past? Are they a complainer? Are they a whiner? And this is true of men and women alike. We see a lot of, you know, negativity out there and people bond through this negativity. And I'm going to encourage folks to look for, you know, how do they live their life in abundance versus a life of scarcity as just one example. And one more thing I want to add to that is if he's comfortable being alone and doesn't need uh, to feel this like constant um, need to be in a relationship. So he pretty much enjoys his own uh, company. 
Um, he's taken the proactive steps to move forward in his life, you know, whether that's finalizing his legal proceedings, he's doing therapy. I love when a guy does therapy or goes to therapy, or he's making those positive changes in his life. So just like what Jonathan says, right, just be a detective and uh, look out for the signs. They're, they're, they'll be there. One thing I'd like to add, I think it's really important for the individual woman or man to identify I said this earlier about the kind of relationship they want. I'm here to strictly advocate partnership-based relationships, partnership-based relationships. Those are significantly different than casual relationships. Casual relationships is usually about the entertainment of each other. In other words, enjoying each other's company. Partnership-based relationships have a vision. It's designed to go long-term. It's a, it's a long-term mating strategy of, of seeking alignment. It's seeking teamwork. It's seeking, you know, beyond just that companionship and connection and physical sex. It's about emotional intimacy. Those are all partnership-based relationships. Casual relationships, hey, we just see each other when we see each other and we have a good time and you know, they're, these are also known as friends with benefits. They're also known as situationships. Partnership-based relationships have a different energy associated with it. And it all gets a whole lot more complicated when there's kids involved. So Jonathan, what's your, like, do you have rules about introducing kids to new potential partners? You know, this is a really tricky question because if two people, you know, okay, I want to put a pause to this and come back to it for a second. If two people engage in a physical relationship, in other words, they're having sex with each other, is it is it is it is it monogamous? Is it exclusive? Is it serious or is it casual like I was talking before? So the question is, if it's casual, I wouldn't introduce my children to a casual person in my life. I would only introduce my children to somebody who is partnership potential because the children are part of the decision-making process for partnership. So, you know, it. I, I think waiting a long period of time could, you know, harm a couple only in the sense of, you know, Children can be a problematic part of a relationship in some cases. So I think it's important to identify, are we on a partnership track? And if we are, then that's time to introduce the children. What about emphasizing friendship? Like, so what if you uh, aren't quite super serious yet? Because I, I feel like you should wait until you're somewhat serious to before you introduce um, a partner to your children, right? Because you want to be stable in that relationship. You don't want a lot of ups and downs and it's not fair to the children, right? But what about introducing them? Because I have a friend doing this right now. He's introduced her as like a friend. And so she's getting to know the kids as well, but she's the friend. So they don't do the sleepovers or anything, but they may do activities outside of the home. What do you think about that? You know, the, again, this is tricky. You know, it depends on the age of the children. You know, when my boys, when I went through divorce, I think my boys were five and eight. And they they were rather proficient at understanding divorce because half of the kids in their school were products of divorced parents. That's I'm exaggerating that number, but a significant percentage. In fact, when their mother and I told them we're going through divorce, it didn't phase them because it's just so part of the lexicon these days. Um I certainly wouldn't get actively involved where a child might get attached unless it's on a partnership track. 
Um, so you could do it in this casual way of friendship first. Um, but it's important to have conversations about how children blend into this relationship very early on. I mean, to be a lot of people are cavalier about this um, and naive. And I think it's critically important to have those conversations because it's you're buying the, an entire package. Um, you, in fact, if you think about it, you're buying the children, you're buying the ex-spouse, you're buying the in you know the parents in the life. And I say buying, I mean it strictly. I was gonna say, I'm not buying anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also you're buying friends. <laughs> you're buying Yeah, the, that's another you know, good point. You know, the then, friends in the you know, in the dynamic. And you know, I have some friends that are dating a lot and Honestly, sometimes it's like, I don't want to meet this guy because he's going to be gone. So I just, you know, I'm kind of defensive, kind of in like, and I don't mean to be jaded. I want to be supportive. But honestly, I just really don't have time for some of the dates that are brought around. So like, you know, there's also a timing like, yes, there's certainly timing around your kids and consideration, but there's also there should be a lot of consideration in introducing a new potential partner or a new friend to your friends. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I have I have one client of mine that her she introduces she her rule is she introduces a man in her life. Um, with her friend to her friends because her, her friends are part of the vetting process, you know. So, um, you know, but in some cases, you know, I'm not some a people fan of that though, Jonathan. I'm not a fan of your Me friends either. No, I don't like that. No, I'm just, just sharing with you. That's what some people do. Yeah, you know, I'll let you finish and then I'll share. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I I think it's you know, there's a fine line, just like when I talked about children. Is is this person a potential partner in your life, or is it something casual? Introduce some your friends when you think this is a potentially long term relationship versus you're just in the midst of the casualness of the relationship. Go with your gut instinct, your first gut instinct, and don't listen to your friends. Your friend isn't dating this person; you are, right? So. Keep that in mind, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you know, your friend. And by the way, I oftentimes think women can give each other bad advice um, in this particular case, because I have. I, and this is just a, a judgment on my part. And I'm going to own this. But I think there's this Prince Charming type of narrative that, you know, it doesn't take into account that most humans are rather flawed human beings to some degree. So, you know, there's no there is no perfect guy out there. Yeah, I agree. We need to take another quick break, guys. We'll be right back. We're talking about dating, divorced men, everything you need to know. It's pretty juicy today. I love it. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Where to meet divorced men. That's what we're going to be talking about very shortly here. I'm Laura Vallada um, with Joan Kelly Walker this evening. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show. We have dating and relationship coach Jonathan Asley in studio with us. And uh, let's get back to our conversation. So such a great conversation. I really love this one. Uh, but can we talk about midlife crisis? Like, why does it seem that Midlife crisis seem to be more associated with men experiencing midlife crisis. And what can 
how can that impact a transitional phase? How can that impact relationships as they're trying to go forward, including the potential for divorce? Yeah, this is a great question. I think, you know, oftentimes men of the baby boom generation or the Gen X generation, that's kind of what we're talking about right now. Those when they're in their 20s and 30s, they have a blueprint of the way they thought their life was going to be like. And then at some point in the future, they got, you know, they got married and this marriage didn't work out. And now all of a sudden, this blueprint collides with their reality. And in that space is where midlife crisis is born. In other words, you thought your trajectory was one way, all of a sudden it changes. And quite frankly, women go through this experience as well, because divorce is a significant emotional trauma. I, I don't think there's enough conversation about the trauma that happens through divorce. So whether it's the crisis before the divorce or during the experience, men and women alike are going through some emotional shift in their life. And that will directly impact any future relationship if a person hasn't done some work to heal from this separation, this, this divorce, if you will, or a significant relationship ending as well. So it's important to recognize this early on that everybody goes through this. You can't be naive and cavalier about this as if, oh, it just didn't work out in this one marriage. I'll just go find the next person to fill that slot, if you will. It's not like to get replacing somebody at McDonald's or at Starbucks. What are some maybe, uh, what are some healthy coping mechanisms for men going through a midlife crisis? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, I'm a big proponent of therapy or personal development, self-help and spiritual work. I'm a big proponent of doing introspective work, inner work. Um, there's a number of workshops and trainings like I did the Hoffman process, which is a deep dive into healing childhood wounds and adult traumas. Um, so doing inner work, being introspective, taking ownership and more importantly, know, you know, know your own red flags. I think people don't spend any time identifying their own red flags. In other words, their own insecurities. When you are completely aware of who you are, you know that. There's no such thing as a 100% confident person. So know your insecurities, both men and women alike. I agree with all of that. Mm -hmm. And at what point do you verbalize your insecurities? Like when you're getting to know someone, like how real should you be in those conversations? Like you don't want to make yourself look weak. You don't want to like spill all the beans and feel vulnerable. Yeah. So should you even talk about that? So that's a great question. You know, two of the main core wounds that people have centers around rejection and abandonment. And so let's use abandonment, for example. You could simply state to a person, just say, hey, there's something I want you to know about myself. When I was in my childhood, there was a incident in my life where I was abandoned by my parents. Be, you know, I went, you know, they left me at the grocery store by mistake and it caused a wound in me. So in any anytime I'm in relationship with someone, I like to have regular communication, you know, with somebody. I, I really prefer that we have check-ins in the morning, check-ins in the evening, just to make sure because it will trigger this wound inside of me. And it's not that it rules my life. It's just a part of who I am. And I'm aware of this part of who I am. So I'm making this simple request. Is this something you could do? 
And if the person genuinely cares about you, they want to accommodate you. I love it. All of it. <laughs> because it's so true. I'm just sitting back and going, I know, I know. Um, all right. The big question, right? What strategies can women use to meet high quality divorced men in the dating pool? And I just want to start with this one because I'm passionate about this, right? Because I'm a matchmaker as well. Guys, everywhere, okay? Everywhere you look, every time you walk out the door, it's an opportunity to meet somebody. So make sure that you know you look good, that you feel good about the way you look. Um, that's the important part. And my biggest tip is to get out of your comfort zone. You're not going to meet a guy if you're always staying in with your girlfriends. Um, so you have to get out there, go to new places, try new things and mingle in new social circles. Okay, Jonathan, your turn. I love this question. And I'll be candid with everyone for the I've been doing dating and relationship coaching for 15 years. I would say the first 13 years I advocated at for I'm as a big advocate for online dating. Um, I'm no longer a strong advocate for online dating. I, I think online dating, um, a particularly swipe app dating, has marginalized human beings, and it's it's cause for maybe you know getting instant gratification through the swipe and the liking of two people. I'm a big proponent, just like what you just shared, of actually being out in the physical world, being you know in spaces where you could be around single eligible people. I'm a big proponent for humans doing workshops, personal development, self-help, spiritual workshops. There, and by the way, you know, a lot of women would say, "Oh, it's all women." No, I go to workshops, and there's almost an equal amount of number of men that do personal development workshops. I may not seem that way to women, but whether it's a Tony Robbins type of event, whether it's a um, Insight seminars, Hoffman process, just to name the few. And then there's local organizations. You can go actually go into meetup and there are tons of personal development workshops where you can interact, hopefully with like-minded people. And that's going to put the odds more in your favor. That's just one example that I would offer for everyone listening. And also find a hobby. I think that's a really good thing to do. If you're interested in painting, then take a painting course. You might yes. meet someone. If you're interested in working out, go to the gym all the time and look good at the gym and feel good and spend some time there. So I think that's a really good way of connecting. Yeah, um, those are great examples. You know, I, I will say this. I'm more of a proponent of doing what I recommended merely because you're going to be interacting with people on a more, you know, uh, uh, both, a, it's not professional per se, because it's your own personal work, but you're going to be interacting with men and women at the same time at a deeper level is what I meant to say. And so that's why I'm a big fan of workshops. Or come to my events at singleinthecity.ca. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I always I encourage people to get out there, get out there, be a yes person, say yes to every single opportunity that is in front of you. Now, one more last question. Joan, do you want to ask it? Oh, boy. Okay. So, you know, my main question is about your book, What the Hell is Self-Love Anyway? But I think that's a whole different episode. So let's keep yeah. it to the topic at hand. Uh, any just last minute high level advice for those looking to build lasting relationships with divorced people? Yeah, I love this question. I think the hardest thing for most humans to do is look in the mirror. 
and get really honest and clear about them, you know, about who they are and what they truly want. I think most humans think of relationship at the 40,000 foot level, and they don't really contemplate it at the base day in, day out level. So here's what I invite everyone to do. Grab a calendar, an old fashioned calendar, a paper calendar, and look at it month by month by month and envision what a relationship would look like. What would you be doing together? How would you be interacting on particular days of the week, particular days of the month? See that vision for a year of what it looks like. So then you can actually know what to look for when you're out there looking for a, a partner. I love all of it, guys. What a great and fantastic show today. And thank you, all of you um, listening from home for tuning in tonight. We hope that our discussion on dating divorced men with Jonathan Asley has provided you with some valuable insights into navigating this unique aspect of the dating world. And so, guys, if you want to share your story with us, call us on our studio line and share your romantic stories, your dating fails, and your burning relationship questions. Leave us a message at 416 966 7280. That's 416-966-7280. All right. Uh, where do we get a hold of you guys? We'll start with you, Jonathan. Where can people learn more about your book and uh, learn more about you or, or possibly work with you? Oh, well, thank you. So, and I appreciate this uh, this interview. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is going to be listed somewhere here. So you can Google my name. Um, I have a YouTube channel with, you know, millions of, you know, 20 or 30 million views. So what? a lot of my content is <laughs> on there. I highly recommend going to my YouTube channel first. And then from there, you can find my website and all that good stuff. So and it's just Google my name and go to YouTube. Yeah. So it's Jonathan Asley. And then Joan, where can we get a hold of you? On my website, joankellywalker.com or Instagram, joankellywalker official. And you can follow me as well on TikTok and Instagram, official Laura Bellotta, as well on in, on YouTube. I don't have 20 million followers yet, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Or not followers, but likes or views or whatever you said. <laughs> um, and also, if you're looking for love, you can always reach out to me at singleinthecity.ca. Thank you so much for joining us this week and every week. And for past shows, go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or go to the um, Global News Radio website. Ciao for now. <laughs>